0: Welcome to the Men's Global live stream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold a couple spots, guys. Isaiah 42, hold that spot, John 17. We're in our fifth and final session of a series that we've called Fully Defined. And through parts one through five today, the theme is super simple if you're joining us for the first time. Uh, We all have defining moments in our lives, and we look back on those defining moments And we call them that because it changes the trajectory of of our lives, you know? And those moments can be uh, positive and joyful. They can be negative and sad. We might meet someone that changes our trajectory. We might get a job that changes our direct trajectory. We might move to a new city that changes our uh, trajectory. We might break up with someone that changes our uh, trajectory. Um, we might have a loss or trauma happen to us that was unplanned that really changed the trajectory of our lives. And so we all have defining moments, but the Bible says that the most powerful life-defining moment that any person can have is when they choose to begin and eternally continue a relationship with God. Why? Why? because that moment activates a full redefinition of your identity, how you see yourself. That moment redirects your energy because you've redefined your identity and whatever now has command, God over your identity commands your energy. And that moment reshapes then, in consecutive order, your expression identity, energy, expression. So when we choose to begin a relationship with God and eternally continue one, that identity, energy, and expression goes into every dimension of your life, every space of your life, every place where your feet bring you, you bring your relationship with God into that space. He fully defines you. And the coolest insight, that we've discovered in this series has been really connecting the life of Jesus with our life with God and in God. And the progression has been really cool. Jesus lived a life on earth for us to imitate. Jesus died for sin on earth. We die to sin on earth. Jesus came alive again on earth for God's purposes. We come alive to God's purposes here on earth. Jesus resurrected and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. And we learned that the Bible says we are co-seated, fully identified with that positional reality. Why? Because we're fully baptized into his life. So he's seated. We are co seated we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies, and guess what? That seating allows us to bring the power of heaven into our lives here on earth. We have access to heaven while we live on earth, we have the authority of heaven while while we live on earth, and wherever we go, we can practice this seating that we have with God, that access to heaven, and call it down into spaces and places that we find ourselves here on earth. So those will be and our are our spiritual process, right? We're imitating Christ. We're dying to sin. We're coming alive to God's purposes. We're actively bringing the kingdom of God and heaven into spaces and places on earth. It's so cool. So Jesus's life experiences on earth and present experience is our spiritual process. He fully, he, Jesus, fully defines us, right? And in our final session, we're gonna finish the study with the culminating and ongoing experience of Jesus and connect it to our own spiritual process, right? So what's that? Well, he lived a life, he died a death, he came alive again, He seated, that's our spiritual process, and then lastly, he glorified God on earth is glorifying God right now, and he will come again in glory at his second coming. And that too is our spiritual process. So here's where we're headed. We're gonna get God's mind first on his own glory. Very important, that sets the foundation. Then we're gonna see Jesus, right? How did Jesus glorify God on earth? How is he glorifying him now? How's he gonna glorify him in, the the future, right? Then we're just going to make that little crossover, that bridge to ourselves as followers of Christ and see how his his experience presently and in the future and on earth is our spiritual process of glorifying God. And then at the end, we're just going to ask a really simple, practical question so that we can apply glorifying God to our own spiritual life, right? Now, so first, let's get God's mind on his own glory. And we're going to discover real quick that he has some strong thoughts on that. But he has some strong thoughts because he has some strong reasons rooted in reality. So we look at Isaiah 57, verse 15. We're going to put it on the screen. It says this, for this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy, quote, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite, and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite." So, what does God say? How does he juxtapose himself with us, right? So let's look at the man-God relationship. Three observations and three associations, right? The first observation is really simple. God is high and we are low. It's high versus low. All right, second observation, right? It is eternal versus mortal, okay? Eternal versus mortal, right? Or eternal versus mortal, there we go. All right, third observation is it is holy versus sinful, right? You have this God, God, God message to man. Um, this is me and this is you. I'm high, you're low. I'm eternal, you're mortal. I'm holy, you're sinful. Let's make the associations, right? Because God is relating to us, right? Even with this great contrast, he's relating. So, if, if we are relating to God, and these are the dynamics, high speaks, lowly listens. Eternal is unlimited, right? Mortal is limited. Holy, the pure one, right? That's God. And then we are the sinful, the ones who need cleansing, right? And through this, you see that one attitude makes the connection and bridges the gap from, from, from man to God. And that is the contrite, the lowly of heart, or just proper humility, I mean, when low looks at high, there's humility. When mortal is in the presence of immortal, that inspires humility and activates humility. When sinful is in the presence of absolute holiness, that, that should create a lot of humility, right? So God is gracious, God is merciful, God is generous but he will not share his glory with anyone and we read about that in isaiah 42 verse 8 it says this i am the lord <laughs> that's my name i will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols right so that again he sets himself in the a position i'm the lord I'm the one who is, I'm self-existent, I'm self-sufficient, I'm sovereign, I'm unlimited, I'm infinite, big gap, that's the Lord, the one who is, the I am God of Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, I'm the Lord, right? And then, that is why, there's this, there's this primary reason, this is, I'm, I'm the Lord, you're not, right, so I'm not going to yield my glory to any other thing because I created it, right? There's a big gap between created and creator, right? So anything that's created, any inanimate thing that's powerless, right? I'm not gonna share my glory with an inanimate idol, whatever your idol is, whether your idol's money or pleasure or statues or God's little G, I'm not yielding any of my glory, right? To the impersonators, okay. So if 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 God is who He is, sorry, um, those are impersonators. Those are frauds. I'm not going to yield my glory to a fraud. There's only one of me, and I'm Him, right? So it makes sense. Um, And then we read in Ezekiel 36. If that's his mindset, um, then how does his mindset about his own glory and us? Uh, relate to his actions in our relationship and how he moves in our lives. Listen to this little statement by God. Um, He is talking to Ezekiel, the man of God, and he's saying, hey, I want you to let my people know something, right? Ezekiel 36, verse 22. Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel that I'm going to do these things. But for the sake of my holy name, listen, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. So, again, God positions himself, I am the sovereign Lord, you're in relationship to me, and you reflect my person, my name. And I'm concerned about your actions, and my name. I'm concerned about my people dragging my name through the mud. So guess what? I have to restore, right, my glory to my name. So this is why I'm going to take some steps uh, among you. But just remember, I'm doing it not because you deserve it, but because I'm concerned about my name. So, it's an important observation as we talk about God's glory fully defining us that when God moves in our lives, He's moving with His own glory in mind. In fact, we should make an observation. If you downloaded the notes, I want you to write this down. God says, anything connected to me calls attention to me. Anything connected to me, God says, calls attention to me. Anything I create, that calls attention to me, right? Whether it's a sunset, the earth, the universe, the stars, right? Man, right? Man should call attention to God. He's a creation um, of God, right? I I made it. So that is God's mind. I think he's been pretty clear from his word about how he thinks about his own glory. And we need to really make that, that connection to a couple of things, and that is, is that is that the amazing separation creates this amazing miracle that the sovereign lord the creator of all things he wants to have a relationship with us but he wants us to to see him for who he is and when we see him for who he is we see ourselves for who we are low mortal sinful and that that infuses the proper humility in our relationship with God. That's the first big headline. And then, anything connected to God glorifies God. That's the second big observation, you know, and that God, God moves. He, he puts out energy and he moves in our lives for his sake. Wow. Now, we end up getting very blessed and get to participate in his plan. And when he moves for his sake, for his glory, we end up experiencing a lot of blessing when he moves for his sake. But sometimes he moves for his sake and we we wonder, whoa, what's going on? Well, it's because he's thinking about things differently than the way we're thinking about things, right? He's thinking about his glory, we're thinking about whatever, getting our needs met or or, or being directed the right way or something resolving. No, he wants to get maximum, maximum, maximum glory from whatever process he has us in. That's a good perspective to remember, especially when, you know, God's not wearing your watch. Amen. Can I get an amen on that one? All right, so that's God's mind. Now let's look at Jesus, all right, because Jesus glorified God on earth, right? Uh, he is glorifying God now, and he is going to be coming in glory in the future. So let's look at those observations. Number one, Jesus reflected God's glory on earth. And I want you to listen for the how in John 17. Jesus says this with the, you know, under the shadow of the cross. He's talking to the Father. He says this. It says this. He looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Catch that? So Jesus comes from glory Right, he comes to this mess, this broken earth with broken people and injustice and death and dying and it's destined to die and never be redeemed. But God takes the initiative, he sends Jesus, right? Jesus is sent from heaven out of God's person and um, under the shadow of the cross, the, the event that is gonna define everything, right? Man's redemption. Jesus is saying, all right, in this moment, Glorify your Son. It's the only way I, I, I can do it. And that the Son may glorify you. Isn't it interesting that the suffering of Christ, which is just about to transact, um, Jesus wants God glorified in his suffering for man, right? And then Jesus says, I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. All right, so I want us to make sure that we're seeing Jesus super clearly and uh, making the connection to us, kind of to get our minds ready. So how did he bring glory to God on earth? He finished the work that God gave him to do. Hey, really simple bridge, this is Jesus, Jesus is in us, this is us. How do we give glory to God, all right? Make the connection. All right, secondly, uh, after Jesus reflected God's glory on earth, secondly, Jesus returned to glory to reign in heaven. Pick those words on purpose, really important. Right. Let's, let's look at Jesus' is, Jesus's experience. Uh, again, John 17, it's the next verse after what we just read, and he says this, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So Jesus is telegraphing what's gonna happen. He's gonna return to glory, right? He came from glory. He's headed back to glory, and once he ascends and is with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he wants that glory that that was theirs in proximity restored, right? He wants, he wants that, that restored, right? And what I want us to see in this, when Jesus says, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you, right, before the world began, is this, that we see in... The Godhead in in relationship with God, that relationship within God, glorifies God, like it's it's always glorifying Him, and that's that's a huge observation and connection to make as we look at Jesus. He's in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, he's got to take care. The Lamb has to pay the price for for sin, but He's thinking about all right, I'm I'm. There's this restoration of glory. This is going to glorify you, but man, I, I I'm going back to, and I I want the glory I had with you before the world began. Relationship with God involves the glory of God being present in that relationship. All right. Uh, in fact, it it talks about this in Hebrews chapter one verse three. It says this: the sun is the radiance of God's glory, and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down, listen, at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So Jesus, um, he returned to glory, he radiates God's glory, and he's at the right hand of majesty and glory, right? So. He reflected God's glory on earth. He's returned to glory to reign. He sat down. He sits on the throne to reign in heaven in glory. So third observation of Jesus, and then we'll make the connection to us, um, is that Jesus reappears in glory at the second coming. And this is really exciting. So we see that Jesus came, you know, had glory with God, came to earth, glorified God by completing the work. He's telegraphing in his high priestly prayer I, I want to return to glory, and I will return to glory, and the Bible says that he did return to glory, and he sat down to reign in glory. And, and, but that's not the end of it. Jesus is going to reappear in glory at the second coming. This is the blessed hope of every believer uh, and the church. Um, it talks about that, Jesus does, in Matthew 24. He says this, Then will appear the sign. Of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great yep glory, and He will send His angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather His elect from the four winds, from the end of the from one end of the heavens to the other. Wow, man, that is that is that is heavy, right now. Is it okay if I just like? Freestyle, there's going to be no um, verse on the screen, but I've got my Bible open to Revelation chapter 19. And uh, it talks about what Jesus talks about here, his reappearing in glory. And I want to read that. So I want you to just, wherever you are, just kind of put down a pencil, uh, get undistracted and listen To the word of God about how Jesus is going to reappear in glory. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Okay, hallelujah and amen, my brothers. So Jesus the Lamb glorified God. He came and he took care of our sin to make a way for us to have relationship with God. And in doing that, Jesus glorified God. But in Revelation 19, we see that he's going to reappear in glory at the second coming. That's not the lamb. That's not that's the lion. Right? That's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's not taking care of sin. He's done that. He's taken over. And that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 24. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven right, with power and with great glory. Right? To restore all that was lost, to restore all that was lost in Adam, all that sin did, all the damage that um, that caused, he's gonna redeem and restore earth, he's gonna redeem and restore what was lost in the garden, he's gonna rule and reign on earth, new heaven, new earth, wow. And we're gonna be there, wow. So we've gotten God's mind on his glory, anything connected to him glorifies him. We've seen Jesus' expression on earth, Jesus' ongoing expression in heaven and Jesus' coming expression at the second coming. So now we just need to make that real simple bridge because Jesus and his experiences fully define us. This is Jesus. Jesus is in us. This is us, right? So let's look at how I, as a man of God, glorify God, right? Number one, God's man will reflect God's glory on earth, just like Jesus, right? Look at what Jesus says, he speaks into this. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Wow. So, headline. God expects visibility of his men, right? What does that look like? We are not like the world. We are not like culture. We are salt by contact. and We are light and glory by contrast. So God's man will reflect God's glory on earth, right? And we see... um, you know, in the pastoral epistles, as 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 Coach Paul, the apostle, is helping Christians understand their full identification in Christ and the glory of God. Listen to what what Paul says to the Philippian believers in Philippians 2. He says this: Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. There's that attitude. That energy is God's energy, and an energy deep within you. God himself willing and working at what will give him, listen, the most pleasure, right? Remember we talked about how God moves and wherever God is moving, in this case, in us and through us, what's the end game? Giving him pleasure. When we give God pleasure, we we give God glory. So that's the first direct connection that that aligns with the mind of God about his glory and the life of Jesus, right? God's man will reflect God's glory here on earth. How's that going, right? That's what God's after in the decisions that you make, the life that you live, how you perceive yourself, how you think, how you perceive other people, where you put your energy, um, the expression that others see, Does it glorify God, all right? Secondly, God's man, like Jesus, will return to God to glorify and reign with Jesus, okay? So, again, we're fully identified with Jesus. This is us too, right? Now, this is is another freestyle moment. This isn't in your notes, but in 2 Timothy 2.12, it says this, if we endure, we will reign with Him. Well, we can't reign with Him until we return to God, right? Just like Jesus returned to God. Now, when when that happens, listen to the experience, and then we'll make a connection, right? Revelation chapter 5. Then I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and under the sea, and all that is in them, saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worship, right? The occupation of heaven and expressions of heaven all connect to the glory of God. And just by way of observation, If you don't like connecting with other believers now, and you don't like worshiping God now, uh, you're going to have a big hurdle in your transition when you go to heaven. (laughs) Earth is preparation for eternity. So if we know that God's man is going to return to God, to glorify God and reign with God in heaven, and that's what's happening now. We should, we should start practicing now, fellas, right? Get your butt to church, get your family to church, get that worship music going, practice worshiping God, lifting up God, exalting God to him who sits on the throne, and give him the praise and honor and glory that he deserves, and when we transition, That's what we're going to transition into, and we'll be ready. Amen? All right. So God's man is going to reflect God's glory on earth, like Jesus. God's man is going to return to God, right, and glorify him in heaven and reign in heaven, like Jesus. Third, God's man will reappear in glory with Jesus. Whoa, man, isn't that cool? Remember that passage from Revelation 19 that I just read? Yeah? That's us. That's us. We're we're with the lion of the tribe of Judah when he comes. Now, in 1 Thessalonians 3, it talks about this. 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 and 13. May the Lord cause you to increase and overflow in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God, our God and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus with... Who? Who? all his saints. Wow. Okay? Now, that's what the Bible calls followers of Christ. They call them the saints, right? So, you see this full and complete identification with Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension and seeding, and his glory. And that, that is our spiritual process. In the book of Romans, it talks about how we are baptized into his life. That means we are fully defined and immersed when, when our life goes into Christ and we become in Christ through choosing to begin and eternally continue a relationship with him. It's like putting a cloth that is white in a dye of a color and you pull it out and the cloth is completely identified with the color. That is the picture. So we are fully defined by Jesus. Life with and in God is connected to his experience on earth, his ongoing experience, and what's going to happen in the future. Talks about this in Colossians chapter 3. Let's read that together. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Wow, all right, don't deserve it. Remember, high and low, eternal versus mortal, right? Holy, unholy, man, it's all God's grace. And that's why we sing and worship God and we say, man, it's amazing that I get to participate in your glory because of what Jesus did for me in making a way for me to humbly accept his person and work and enter a relationship with God and eternally continue it. And that gives him great glory. So wherever you are today, whether you're listening in your earbuds or whether you're driving in your car or whether you're with your men's group or whether you're in the fellowship hall at a church, you know, the Everyman Global Livestream goes a lot of places in a lot of countries. And wherever you are, man of God, put down that pencil because I want to, I want everybody around the world right now. We're going to glorify God right now, right? So if you're hearing the sound of my voice, say it with me. Say, God's glory is my present purpose. God's glory is my ongoing mission. God's glory is my future privilege. Because that's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus says. That's... How God wants us to be rightly related to Him and connected to Him is to give Him glory. So, final fill in today. What is the mindset going out of of this session today on the glory of God? All right? Really simple. Just ask yourself this question, all right? Write it down Will it glorify God? It's a good decision making filter. Will it glorify God in my marriage? Will my words glorify God? Will the way I relate to my children glorify God? Will my investment of my time glorify God? Will the investment of my treasure glorify God? Will my natural and spiritual gifts be put to work to glorify God? Is this choice that I'm about to make, is that gonna glorify God? You see, it's a it's a simple question to ask and has profound implications because we're gonna spend all of eternity glorifying God in various ways and expression. It's going to be multidimensional, not one-dimensional. And we gotta start practicing now, right? And Jesus' life and his experience, that's the model, that's 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 the roadmap, right? So as we we go from this series, just endure in that, right? Endure in glorifying God. Fight for the glory of God. Say no to the world. Say no to the flesh. Say no to the liar and murderer, the devil, right? To accomplish that purpose of glorifying God. Do whatever it takes to glorify God, and you won't Regret it, discipline yourself to ask that question. Will it glorify God? And and when you think of the life of Christ and what's revealed in scripture, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, you will be led in the right direction. Do what glorifies God. So let's bow our heads, let's pray. Father, thank you so much that your glory, because we're connected to you, now we have the privilege of calling attention to you. Lord Jesus, thank you for just being the perfect Savior, the perfect model, the perfect man, and thank you for reflecting God's glory on earth, and thank you for your desire for us to be the light of the world and to make choices and do things that, that glorify our Father in heaven today. And I pray for every man that that you would give him opportunities to do that today. Jesus, thank you that your ongoing expression right now in heaven is, is that you're glorifying God and you're reigning with God. And Lord, help us to practice here. Lord, glorifying you, worshiping you, doing things that bring you pleasure because that's our destiny, to return to you and to reign with you. And then, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are coming in power and with great glory. Lord, when we think about it, we're so humbled. we're in awe, our minds can't even wrap, wrap thoughts around that. But I'll tell you this, Lord, and I know my brothers agree, we wanna see that moment, we wanna be in that moment. Thank you that you're gonna bring us with you. Thank that. Thank you that when you're revealed, we're gonna be revealed with you in glory. So Lord, help us remember our purpose to call attention to your greatness versus our own greatness or the greatness of men or objects that you create. Thank you that you're moving right now in our community, across the world, through this movement of spirit-empowered men. You're moving to bring glory to yourself and attention to yourself. Lord, help us pray and act today, tomorrow, and for the rest of our lives, aligned with your intention to bring glory to yourself. In Jesus' name I pray and all God's men said, amen. Wow. All right, have a great week. All right. Glorify God in all that you do, and we'll see you next time.